This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 to 7 on WSJS. You are on a Monday drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where it's just good to be back in this chair. Thanks to WD and Darren Vaught for hosting a couple of shows while my wife, my wife, and I visited the fine state of Louisiana last week. Perhaps if we have some time later this hour, we can delve into some Bayou story time. But right now, let's talk some football. Even though the Carolina Panthers were off on a bye yesterday, there was still a lot of things associated with them that happened. Some of it was good, some of it was bad, and some of it was downright ugly. And since I've always liked the bad news first, so that way you can take the good to kind of chaser it down, that's where we'll start. Four one-win teams won in the NFL yesterday. Four teams that entered yesterday with just one win ended up on the winning end. The Bears beat down the Raiders. The Giants edged Washington in a massive pillow fight. The New England Patriots upset the Buffalo Bills, and the Broncos took down Green Bay. Obviously, the Panthers are still winless. They're the only team in the league that has no wins, and now only one team in the league has one win, and that's the Arizona Cardinals, which strongly improves the odds that Carolina is going to finish with either the worst record or the second-to-worst record in the NFL. Send me that they cash out, family. And they do not have, obviously, their number one pick next year, so... That's not going to look good to the rest of the football world. Carolina trading away its number one overall pick or number two overall pick because they traded up for it a year prior in order to take Bryce Young. Here's the good news, and it's kind of related to that. The alternatives to Bryce Young aren't looking very good right now. In other words... It's going to be framed, because it has been framed for the last few months now, that this is a two-quarterback draft. You have two franchise quarterbacks right at the top that are going to go number one and number two. It's Caleb Williams at USC. It's Drake Bay at North Carolina. We've made the point as a show, Carolina's fine with Bryce Young. In fact, if they could do it over again right now, they would take... Bryce Young, if they had the option between Drake May and Caleb Williams earlier this year, they'd still take Bryce Young over again if they had that option. And that take doesn't look very bad after what we saw the last week or so. Drake May, Caleb Williams, they both lost at home over the weekend. Caleb, no touchdown passes a week after throwing three picks in South Bend related both the teams that USC lost to, Utah and Notre Dame, the only two ranked teams that the Trojans have faced this year. And Drake May lost perhaps the most consequential Tar Heel loss in their program's history. 24-point favorite against UVA. You lose the game outright at home. And for the second consecutive week, you're 50% on your throws. You had that interception right at the end when you had a chance to win the game. Not very good. Nope. Even if Carolina had a top two pick going into next year, 
I still think they'd prefer to have Bryce Young. I do. Oh, yeah, we'll have a Bryce Young after one year in the NFL over just restarting again and taking Caleb Williams and Drake May, who are objectively worse college players than Bryce Young was. Oh, but Bryce is at Alabama. His leading receiver was his running back his last year. (laughs) And that Alabama line, not very good. Just look at the pro football focus stuff. This year, not good. Last year, not good for Alabama, at least not for their standards. So that's the good news. It's not going to look terrible if Carolina, God forbid, had would have been able to pick one or two in the draft if they had not traded for Bryce Young because you had one of these two franchise guys available. The guy you traded up for looks better than those two guys that Carolina could get. That's the good news. And here's the ugly. This is the indefensible for Carolina. Deontay Foreman, active for the Chicago Bears, former Panther from last year, went off. 120 yards, three touchdowns for Chicago. His contract, one year, $2 million for the Bears. One year, $2 million. Carolina decided to give more money to a free agent running back than anybody else, and it wasn't even close, when they gave Miles Sanders four years, $25 million this offseason. When they had the option, you saw the two-headed monster under Steve Wilkes last year, they could have just run that back. Bring Deontay Foreman back, pair him with Chuba Hubbard, a little bit of you know, thunder and lightning, that type of deal, and you could have done it for a tenth of what you paid Miles Sanders over a four-year span, one year, $2 million. That's what Chicago's paying Deontay Foreman this year. Scott Fitterer decided, nope, we're going to go with Miles Sanders. That might be the worst move he's ever made as a general manager. Like, if Carolina continues to go south, he's probably going to be the fall guy. And one of the things they'll say, it's not trading up to take Bryce Young. It's you gave Miles Sanders a boatload of money when Chuba Hubbard has outperformed him and you had Deontay Foreman right there for a tenth of the price. So that's the ugly. Some good, some bad, some ugly for the Panthers yesterday, even as they were on a bye week. On Twitter at WSJS Radio, if you want in, that's where we're streaming video. In addition to YouTube and Twitch, Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. What's your priority on the television tonight? Is it Vikings Niners, which you could listen to right here on WSJS, or is it Game 7 of Rangers Astros? It's definitely going to be Game 7 of Rangers Astros. because I think Definitely. Whoa. Because I think we all know what's going to happen to the Vikings tonight. Mm, well, gave out Vikings plus 7.5. You did do that. By the way, you, forgot, that you did forget up, one man. thing on the TV. i got to watch a movie tonight. That's right. You're watching Cape Fear Yeah. in the wake of their being a Scorsese-De Niro movie that dropped over the weekend. You get to watch another one of those at set in North Carolina. That's a classic. Maybe the best remake in history with De Niro and Scorsese. Shifting things a bit. This isn't a groundbreaking observation, but over the last 20 years in this state, no sport has grown more than soccer. The castle travel scene exploded in Raleigh in the 2000s. I experienced it. That's when I was playing high school soccer. And obviously, pro soccer arrived in the Queen City just in the last few years. And related to that, what happened with Charlotte FC Saturday night was the most significant event in the history of North Carolina soccer. That's not an overstatement. 
not even close. There really isn't anything close to what we saw Saturday. Just think about it if you were too busy following the American football. Unlike last weekend's, or that was in the middle of the week, last Wednesday's match in South Beach, arguably the greatest player in the history of the sport decided he was going to play in Miami's regular season finale against Charlotte. Lionel Messi started. It was his first MLS start in over a month. And Charlotte won the match. Messi did not score. Well, he did, and then it was called back. It was negated for an offsides. But it is the only time Leo Messi has started a regular season MLS match and Inter-Miami lost that match. It's the only time that happened. And not only did Charlotte beat Messi, in doing so, they clinched the franchise's first ever postseason appearance. How's that for a twofer? You host Leo Messi. You're opening up the upper deck, the whole deal. You have a great crowd. And what that great crowd sees is history, North Carolina sports history, the first ever postseason appearance for Charlotte's MLS team. This is how it sounded on WSJS. Will Pelagic, the final seconds, ticking off as Charlotte clinches a postseason berth. You see Westwood looking at Diahare. Diahare saying, let's go to the corner, man. And goes to the corner to Diahare. Diahare played on it by Robinson and Busquets. And they're going to play it for a corner. And that's it! The crowd belongs to Charlotte! And Charlotte FC, if the results hold, have clinched its first playoff berth in club history. Will it be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's he's going to be with us today. Uh, we need to talk to him about that. Do you have more Willie P for me? I, I love Willie P, Mickey Mouse type voice cracks. Give me another. Charlotte won one to nothing. Yeah, give the me goal. their goal. Give me their goal call. Yep. Camille crossed into the area. Is blocked down. He gets it back though. Camille to the center of the park. Vargas gets around his man and shot. They score. Don't know what he's saying in a lot of that. Don't really care. That's exciting <laughs> stuff. Charlotte's wild card postseason game in New York is Wednesday night. You can listen to it right here on WSJS. Here's how the MLS playoffs work. If Charlotte wins, then they earn the, the right to play the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. That is Cincinnati. That will be a best two out of three to get you to the conference finals. Charlotte in the postseason. What a moment that was over the weekend. Ding, ding, boys. School's in session. Let's go, man. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. It's game week for the Carolina Panthers after being on the bye. Houston Texans will arrive in Charlotte Sunday. Not a one o'clock kick, though. 4.30. 4 o'clock, 4.30 kick. 4 o'clock kick at Bank of America Stadium for the Panthers. So just making sure you have that programming note on the front end of this. Now let's get into the teams that actually did play yesterday. 
and attach letter grades to the NFL Sunday and Grams grades. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. We don't need no education. Who passed the test? If one of y'all says some silly name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know. Josh Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending and a know-it-all. Time for Graham's Grades. A, B, C, D, F. WD, what was your GPA when you were in college? Roughly. Uh, it was probably mid-twos. Not great. That isn't good. I wasn't a great student back in the day. 3.4 for your boy. Look at you. 3.4. I remember it made my parents upset when I told them my senior year in college I was going to focus more on broadcasting than I was going to be like focusing on doing well in school. I had like a 3.28. Oh, yeah. And then my final year in school... I did better than I did the first three years. Look at that. 3.4 GPA at East Carolina University. Wearing it proudly. Arg. Let's get to the best of the NFL yesterday. Let's start with the good. Hey, the Baltimore Ravens. Man, if you're somebody who handed out Ravens minus three against the Detroit Lions, you might look pretty smart. I might think you had a 3.4 GPA at East Carolina University. Honestly, Whoa! Yeah, we did that. The Ravens were up 28 nothing in a flash. Early second half, up 35 to nothing. The final count, 38 to six. Who has a better MVP case than Lamar Jackson does right now? Right now, I think the list is probably Lamar, Tua, and McCaffrey. Uh, would you put anybody else in that discussion? Maybe AJ Brown potentially. No. Uh, not at all. He's not a thought. Not a wide receiver. Huh. Wide receivers don't win that award. I don't know. Has it happened? I was about to ask you that. No, I mean, running backs and quarterbacks win this award. With respect to A.J. Brown, I ain't putting him in that discussion yet. But he should be able to. I'm sorry. It's just until a wide receiver does it, I'm not really going to welcome it all that seriously at the moment. B. The Ravens were dominant. B is the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that A.J. Brown plays for. You know what's an A? Those throwback unis oh, that they wore last night. So good. The, the whole- only thing that made it, the reason why that's a B and not an A, the uniform matchup, is because Miami should have gone with its old school throwbacks yes. with like, the throwback fish yeah. on the helmet with wearing a helmet. Like, that's the only thing that could have made it better. So I'm going to give it a B in terms of a uniform matchup. They could have gone full Ace Ventura-like if they were able to pull that off. Have you seen Ace Ventura? Let's see, where's my button here? Not a shot. When they won at home, they beat Miami. They were both 5-1 and one going into the game. But we all should have probably seen it coming. The reason why it's not a A, once we learned that Lane Johnson was going to play, Miami has not beaten anybody so far this year. And so, did you just sniff into the microphone? I did, I did do that. I'm channeling my inner bay, hon, now that he's going to be a broadcaster. you did that. Yeah, we didn't have time to talk about no. that. Last week, but send that man to Greensboro. Please make that happen some way, somehow. But the Eagles, that's a B. Nice win. Sunday night football. C. The Kansas City Chiefs. Ho-hum, Kansas City win. But really, this is an assessment of Taylor Swift's handshake with Brittany Mahomes. Give it a C. It's what I give it. And the only reason it's a C is because I'm just happy it happened. I'm happy it happened, but 
if you are the biggest thing in entertainment, Taylor Swift, and you do chore- choreograph, there's the word I'm looking for, choreograph dancing on a regular basis, you're a dancer. You dance. And that's all you come up with? It was terrible. Come on. Like Jackson Mahomes is right behind you. He does his TikTok dances and stuff. He could have done better than that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch. I'm not on TikTok. Yeah, well. But I'm just saying that we could have done better than the spin, high five, slap, whatever. And you're taught the guy speaking knows you can do better because when I'm in when I was in Texas selling books door to door, me and three other people came up with a secret handshake that we added something to every single day amidst the span of a summer. That was a two and a half minute handshake by the end of it. And it would be great to pull out like in parties and stuff. She should have she should have put up some LeBron videos because that guy's got a handshake with every guy in the league and they are fire every last one of them. Yeah, it's like, a come on. I'm, I'm glad Taylor's pumped up and like yelling obscenities into the ear of infants. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with all that, but better handshake. D. The Washington Commanders. Sam Howe, come on. You lost to a one-loss Giants team and only scored seven points in the game. They were down 14-0. It never really felt in doubt. This was just a pillow fight. Not a lot of points. Like Imagine paying money to go to this game. And again, the person talking paid money to go to a 62 to nothing shutout of Army over the weekend. That's where I was at LSU. Go Tigers. And I'm talking about how bad that Giants-Washington game was. And saying that with a straight face. Yeah, it's a D. F. Only one choice here. Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders. What is a Tyson Bagent? Probably mispronounced the name. The quarterback of Chicago. Whatever that is. And Deontay Foreman's playing. And not only is he playing... 120 yards and three touchdowns. It's the guy who replaced Justin Fields dropped 30 in a game. Who had that on their bingo card? Come on down. Vegas. An F. McDaniels is going to get fired, right? I would like to think so. Fans are already, not that it matters, but fans are already calling for his job. And that's been Graham's grades for this week. I thought about that in the context of some of our in-state coaches. I don't know if Mike Houston's going to make it in Greenville, America, when you lose it home mm. to Charlotte. Yeah. I don't know about our guy in Boone. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a tough one when you're now under 500, lose to o- ODU, and better win this week. That's it. Handle your business. And this this is a game at App State. has to get. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. We have tickets to give away on this Monday. If you would like to see Parker McCollum next spring or see one of my favorite comets, uh, comics, Nate Bargatze at the Greensboro Coliseum late spring, early summer next year. We got tickets before you can even buy tickets. All you have to do in order to win is give us a call right now, 336-777-1600. Tell us something good in an early week edition of Weekly Positivity, and 
you'll have tickets to one of those two shows of your choosing. 336-777-1600. Just looking at the calendar, it's kind of crazy that the NBA season starts tomorrow. Saw that Cole Anthony, the former Tar Heel, just signed a three-year contract extension with the Orlando Magic that's worth $39 million. Good for him. The NBA season starts with Lakers, Nuggets, and then Suns, Warriors tomorrow in prime time. TNT, that doubleheader to open up the year. Now let's get to weekly positivity. wasn't going to waste valuable Louisiana time to watch it. That's a Scorsese De Niro movie. WD gonna watch Cape Fear later tonight. The remake from a little bit over 30 years ago. 336-777-1600 Weekly Positivity brought to you by our friends at Biscuit King in High Point. Not even just High Point. They have four different locations. The ginormous biscuit you can get at all of those locations. A great sponsor of Weekly Positivity. Get yourself some tomorrow morning. Let's start by going to Matt in Pofftown. Hi, Matt. Hey, Mr. Graham. I just wanted to give you a call and say I'm so, so happy. You got to see the best college football environment in the country It was at LSU. It was pretty darn cool because here's how I know it was great, Matt. It might have been the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It's probably not the loudest stadium I've been to because I was at Tennessee, Kentucky when Tennessee was number one and they were in prime time last year. And Clemson is very darn loud, too, and it was a ranked matchup. They were playing Army. They won 62 to nothing. But it was easily one of the three or four loudest I've been to. And they, again, were playing Army and won 62 to nothing. It's kind of amazing that that's the case. Absolutely. But best tailgate experience you can have. People are so kind as long as you're on the right team. I'm a diehard Tennessee fan. It's hard for me to even say that LSU's better. But I've been there for two night games and just can't beat it. I'm glad your boy's watching uh, the movie tonight. It's a fantastic wow. movie. Wow. I think he's really going to enjoy that. That's very positive. And, you know, I think that's warranting of tickets. So enjoy that, Matt in Pofftown. Great stuff from him. It's Monday. Some people might have a bad case of the Mondays. and We're trying to cure that with some positivity. Let's go to Tyler in Greensboro. Hi, Tyler. Hey, Mr. Josh Graham. Oh, everybody have... is so casual today. Mr. Graham, Mr. <laughs> Josh Graham. It's it's filling me up with joy. Tell me something good. I have uh, two little boys, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, <sighs> and we are in that stage of uh, struggling to share anything. How do this you... morning, oh. before I left for work, my three-year-old 
shared his absolute favorite Spider-Man chair with his one-year-old little brother and just warmed my heart so much walking out the door. Wow. How cool is that? That's such a great teaching moment. What do you say to him after you see something like that happen? I tell him how proud I am that he's uh, displaying the love of God in his heart. That is the sweetest thing I've heard today. Thank you so much, Tyler, for the phone call. Spider-Man chair, wow! Where do I get one of those? Let's go to Jew in Winston-Salem. Jew, tell me something good. Well, JG, we got basketball starting back up this week. NBA tomorrow isn't night. That it's just crazy. glorious. It's crazy, man. It's crazy the NBA starts that tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to be in Charlotte. And on that show, you're going to be hearing from Tony Bennett and Jim Laranega and Hubert Davis and all the gang. We're going to be chatting with all the ACC coaches and players. It's right here. Yes, sir. And then we heard about a secret scrimmage that the UNC had against FAU where they supposedly just waxed the floor with them. They did. I, I, did, wow. I did not hear about that secret scrimmage. What happened in it? They said R.J. Davis dominated and Elliot Cadeau and Jalen Washington played really, really good. Wow. Tar Heels, baby. That's Jew and Winston-Salem. Normally, I'd say, why is that impressive at all? It's a secret scrimmage against Florida Atlantic. However, Florida Atlantic was in the Final Four. Wow. This past year. I, I I don't know enough about the composition of the Owls roster this year versus a year ago to say how impressive that is for North Carolina. Secret scrimmages are so much fun though. Secret shh. Are you gonna go to Wake Alabama, the exhibition this weekend? I think it's on Sunday afternoon. Are you gonna go? I might pop by for a eh, I don't know. Cause I got the Panthers on Sunday. They play Texans. But that's not till four. You know what? So I might. I might just pop in there. See Nate Oates. And I'll see well, Steve Forbes. We'll see Steve on Wednesday. That's right. You, I, t- you tell me which coach or player you want to potentially submit movie suggestions for you when we're in Charlotte. You know, hmm. Just think on that. Put a, I, put a pin in that for now. And do we have time for one more call? WD is giving me a thumbs up as if we do at 336-777-1600. This is Weekly Positivity brought to you by Biscuit King. Giving away Nate Bargatze tickets and Parker McCollum tickets. This is not me stalling whatsoever. Yes, it is. And now let's go to Danny in Greensboro. Hi, Danny. Hey, Josh. Nice to talk to you. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. What do you have going on? Good. Oh, not much. Just uh, on the way home from work and listening and thought I'd tell you something good or what I thought was good. What's that? And that is, you know, I've noticed now we can watch Live Golf on TV and Formula One racing, which rarely do you get to see here in the state. So uh, I thought that was very good. What, how much are you watching Live Golf and Formula One, or how much do you think you're going to now that they're available? Um, yeah, I'll probably pick it up. It's usually on a early, earlier in the morning, so um, uh, it's easy to watch, I guess, on Sundays or Saturdays. It's not bad at all. In fact, I'd say that's 
Good. Thank you so much for the call, Danny. Did I hear George Bush's golf swing nestled in there somewhere? Anyway. That's been Weekly Positivity. Why did you just play the George Bush golf drive? Golf. Oh, I was thinking that was a Formula One drive pun. Or the fact the show's... Now watch this drive. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. And they're going to play it for a quarter. And that's it! The crowd belongs to Charlotte! And Charlotte FC, if the results hold, have clinched its first playoff berth in club history. The first time I heard that call, I was sitting waiting for an Uber about a mile away from Tiger Stadium at LSU Saturday night, sitting in front of a Mexican restaurant that Sarah Bradford and I had just enjoyed. So happy. I was beaming with happiness for our next guest, Will Pelagic, along with Jess Charman, calling Charlotte FC soccer on WSJS. We'll now be calling Charlotte FC playoff soccer Wednesday night against the New York Red Bulls. It is a single elimination Wild card match, the winner will get a best of three with Cincinnati, the top seed in the Eastern Conference, coming up this weekend. Willie P., it's the first time that Charlotte's made the post the postseason. It's a match that people have been talking about for months because Leo Messi did play, he did start in it, and for the first time, he started a regular season MLS match and lost in a match that was that consequential for Charlotte. So I hear people saying, oh, greatest soccer moment in North Carolina history, the the best match that we've seen, the most, the biggest event. Like, how far would you have to go to risk overstatement when talking about what happened at Bank of America Stadium Saturday night? I'll, I'll leave the best North Carolina soccer moment uh, for, for those who've been here a little bit longer than me, uh, the Steve Goldbergs and Ashley Mahoney's of the world. But... Uh, what I will say, from a seminal moment aspect, I think there are a lot of people who were in that building on Saturday night who had seen something they either, one, had never seen before, or two, that they never thought they would see in this city. And I think that's something you have to kind of hang your hat on. Uh, and I've talked to so many people over the course of not only this day, uh, saw Scott Fowler in the booth and he's like, you know, I just want to see something magical happen. And I think uh, it wasn't maybe the thing that a lot of people intended to see magical, but I think you saw a team come together. I think you saw a team gain resilience and confidence in their own game and their own brand. And I think they also stood up to a little bit of the adversity that they had inside their own building. I think seeing a lot of that pink uh, and black in the stands, I think kind of fueled some of the fire. Uh, I know that, there are a lot of people who were there to see one person and it wasn't somebody wearing a Charlotte uniform. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, degrade those people for that, but I do feel like you get a little bit of an extra satisfaction, whether you're a player, a fan, or somebody who was there to watch the black and blue, as opposed to the black and pink, uh, that you at least got yourself, not only uh, a measure of revenge from Wednesday night, but also uh, the spoils that come with, a season that had so many ups and downs and one that also at least ends in 
what basically only 18 teams get to get, and that's a lottery ticket to play for the Cups uh, and the uh, the biggest prize in the domestic portion of the sport. It reminds me of the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes made the postseason its second year in Raleigh, and people got to see something pretty early on that was special, that was significant. They went to the Stanley Cup and lost to the Red Wings in the first four or five years of them being in the Carolinas, and that's such a plus when you're introducing a sport to so many people that probably had not seen something like that. But you tell me, um, have you noticed already, let's say since last summer, right after the newness started to wear off on the inaugural season, between that and Saturday night, have you seen tangible growth, something that you can point to and say, wow, this is something that the city's really putting its arms around? I'm going to contextualize this a little bit for you because MLS put out a stat last uh, Saturday night after the win. Uh, The league started with 10 teams. Uh, One of those 10 teams is defunct. One uh, went to another city and then resurrected after a couple of years with San Jose. But for all intents and purposes of the 29 teams that are in MLS, there are nine now that are OGs, so to speak. And one of those is also St. Louis. So you take them out of the equation. Of the remaining teams that are playing in this league, the 19 that are in this league now, or, or whatever the math is, my math stinks. So I think it's 20 teams, whatever. Yeah, 20. So it's the, six, of the, six of the 19 teams left. Charlotte's one of those six teams that have gone to the postseason in their first two years and gotten 40 points in each of their first two seasons. Only six teams have done that in their first two years of expansion. And there's a lot of hand-wringing about, you know, what St. Louis did in their first year, what Austin did in their opening year, what Atlanta did winning the championship in year two, LAFC's immediate success. All those are outliers. It is very hard to come into this league without a USL runway or a MLS Next Pro runway like St. Louis City had and basically start from scratch They had to deal with uh, the very hard thing of getting players during COVID, which was hard to travel. You had to do all your interviews via Zoom. Evaluating players was incredibly difficult for the early portion of this uh, franchise's infancy to try and go get done. You lose your head coach within the first six months. And all the other adversity that they had to deal with this year, the passing of Anton Walks, situations with Nuno Santos, Andre Shinyashiki, dropping 25 points from winning position. All that said, And set aside, playing for playoffs in year two, we talked about all the draws. Those draws at the end of the day, Josh, are what ended up saving Charlotte FC, amazingly enough and ironically enough. And I understand that folks will think that they have to be better and that they want to see more from the coach. I think at this point, you latch on to what this is as a building block. You give them the the winter to try and retool and get some different points. And again, the season's not over. They can make a run in this thing. So that's, you know, I don't want to count the chickens before they're hatched. Wednesday night's obviously its own entity. But at the same point in time, anybody who's looking at this season as nothing more than a building block success, I think is expecting too much out of a side that has literally had the deck stacked against them from the word go, Josh. Will Pelagic's with us, voice of Charlotte FC. You say the draws are the reason why they're there and they've been hand-wringing about that. The draws are the reason why I feel optimistic about their chances because there isn't going to be a draw on Wednesday night. And Charlotte, Charlotte, you look at eight of the matches, I think it was, where they've been, they were leading after the Mm -hmm. 83rd minute or so. Charlotte is very close and not just, I mean, they, they are incredibly close to being in the playoffs comfortably with weeks to go. 
Sure. And that, and that's the part of it. Uh, nine of the results that they had, I think they they gave up ten goals in the final nine plus minutes of open play, and uh, nine of those ended up changing the result from either a win to a draw or a draw to a loss. But the fact remains is that they had to hold the lead on Saturday against Messi and Alba and Busquets, who you mentioned Messi hadn't started a game and lost. No one had beaten inner Miami in any competition that all three of those dudes played in. And, and those are world-class players, not just good MLS players, world-class players in, in Lionel Messi, Jordi Alba, and Sergio Busquets. And they held a 1-0 lead for 77-plus minutes of a game. That is incredible considering the amount of adversity they had to go through and giving up leads to much lesser sides than the one they saw Saturday. It's an incredible confidence booster. I think you also give a big round of applause to Christian Kalina, who made three incredible saves at the end, including the one off the fingertips that the referee thought was uh, going to go off for a goal kick. He got just the littlest bit of the deflection off of it to make it a save. Uh, the one that he saved from Messi's set piece from the sharp angle off the top of the crossbar, which I still don't know how the hell that didn't get in. It's so incredibly encouraging. And I also think one of the things that Ashley Westwood said to me today, because I tried to get him to praise the back line. He said, look, you can praise the back line all you want. They've been playing better. But what we've been doing more differently is pressing more high and getting the ball out of the possession of the defending team or the uh, the opposing team, rather, quicker before they can get to the, actually the last line of defense. So they're actually forcing more turnovers in the attacking third and getting more high danger chances as a result of them. That is what's been the biggest encouraging sign from Charlotte FC in the last four games, three of four of those coming with clean sheet victories. Listen to Willie P and Jess Charman Wednesday night. It's going to be playoff soccer with Charlotte FC facing the New York Red Bulls. Okay, let's uh, change gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was a bye week for the Panthers. They didn't lose. They're still winless. But there are a few things that are associated with the Panthers, that are good, bad, and downright ugly. You tell me which of these three things. I'll give you a menu, and you mm. tell me which of these three things is most significant. Four one-win teams won yesterday, which means Carolina, they're the only winless team. There's only one more one-win team. That's the Arizona Cardinals, which mm -hmm. means there's a great chance Carolina could finish with either the worst record or the second-worst record, giving the Chicago Bears a pick pretty high up in next year's draft. Related mm -hmm. to that, Caleb Williams losing back-to-back -back weeks. <laughs> Three interceptions against Notre Dame, no touchdowns against Utah, losing to a backup quarterback at home. Those are the only two ranked teams that he's played all year. And Drake May, 50% completion for the second straight week. A, a turnover late as a 24-point favorite. They lose at home to Virginia. That Bryce Young guy hasn't had a loss that's as bad as those losses that we're talking about and performances as bad as those. Maybe the alternatives aren't as great as some might point out. And then the last thing's Deontay Foreman, who is getting paid $2 million on a one-year contract, and <laughs> Carolina decided they're going to pay the most that anyone paid this offseason to a free agent running back, Miles Sanders, four years, $25 million, when you could have kept Deontay Foreman for $2 million. Which of those three things? Deontay Foreman, three touchdowns, 120 yards. 
uh, uh, for the Chicago Bears yesterday. The Foreman one is the one that ticks you off if you're a Panther fan, <laughs> yeah. because I think we all kind of, you know, th- there was probably a lot of dissension on a lot of the front office moves made by the Carolina Panthers. I don't think that there was a soul that didn't want Deontay Foreman back in the fold. And I think we all were kind of befuddled as to not only the number that he went for for Chicago, but how easily it seemed the Panthers let him walk out of their building. And again, for a guy like Miles Sanders, who I think came with a lot of promise, but I think we're finding out a lot more. He was more of a product of the system in Philadelphia. And also, again, you give him some grace with the groin injury, but I think uh, he was very much more akin to what Philly was doing than really any of his own merits right my now. My issue on it, though, runner. but to add, my issue was, Miles Sanders does a lot of the same things that you're asking Chuba Hubbard to do. So sure. you picked up a running back that has a lot of there's overlap redund- with what redundancy. you There's redundancy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I-, I saw your discourse on the Caleb Williams and Drake Whitmay thing. I'm, I'm wondering how much of that was hurricane-induced, uh, knowing where you were this weekend. <laughs> you're not with me on this. But no, no, I'm I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just I, I found oh. it fascinating that you were able to be so lucid and and, and look. There was um, a typo in there, so it might have been a little bit hurricane infused. And on top of that, I, they call it I've death never, valleys at LSU. I, I am with you though. I I never bought into the fact that the Panthers made their move a year early to try and get a quarterback. I, I feel like they had been unfortunately for them kicking the can down the road too much. In that sense, uh, I didn't think the time to do it was last offseason when your choices were Pickett and Matt Corral and Malik Willis. Uh, but I do feel like, you know, maybe the year before that, there was the Justin Fields conversation. Uh, the jury's still out on that. But I do feel like this was the perfect year to go get your quarterback and to control the draft. I understand people are angry about giving up the draft pick. I think at this point, you have to forget about that draft pick. It's never going to love you back. It's inconsequential. It's a lost love. Go, you know, pound around in sand about it. I don't really care. But at you this know, point, but you to, have to deal. You have your quarterback, and you try to make it work with him. The problem, and again, whether it's Fields, whether it's Drake May, whether it's Caleb Williams or Bryce Young, think about do this thought exercise and imagine sure. you have one of those, any of those guys in the situation the Panthers are in right now. How many more wins do they have? I don't know if they have any. That's what I'm honestly. saying. Like, I don't think any of these guys are well, so marginally better. Exactly. Josh, you, Josh, you, you and I have talked about this before. Bryce isn't the the big the biggest problem on this team right now is a position that you thought was a position of strength. Yes. Going in from the offseason, the offensive line has performed like absolute trash. Like, that's water. the part of it. That that that's the thing. And 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 I'm not trying to be denigrating to the guys who are over there. I think they're all trying. I think they're all doing their best. But at the same time, they've not performed. And that's just being 100%. And they're not healthy. Right now. You, lo- you lost not healthy. it. Like, but they might. Frank Reich says that Austin Corbett's close to making his return this week. How right. big of a deal is that? And then I, that that's the piece where it's like you, you lost Brady Christensen for the year. Some of it I understand. But then... Other other parts, it's like, you, well, icky. You, you, were never, you were never going to be able to have a successful rookie season for Bryce Young if you couldn't protect him and run the football. If you couldn't do either of those things, it was always going to be difficult for him, given the receiving core and also given the injuries you've suffered on defense. Defense also hasn't done its job as well. No. But again, they've been also significantly hurt, especially in the secondary. How'd you celebrate Saturday night? Uh, we went to cookout, ironically enough. What'd you get? I got a double burger with cheddar cheese sauce, grilled onions, and a uh, cheese bites was my one side, chicken quesadilla was the other side, and an Oreo peanut butter shake. Does Jess Charman know about Cookout? Yes. No, she loves Cookout. Just making sure. 
Just she loves sure. cookout. That's, she's more of a Bojangles person. She likes Bojangles. That's her. That's her thing. That's I got, I got raisin canes when I was in Baton Rouge. Yeah. I love. I love me some canes. Got some canes. Go canes. All right, Will Pelagic. Thanks for thanks for the time. We look forward to hearing you on Wednesday, and we'll be chatting next week. Appreciate you, pal. Always.